0: Verses 2-11 through The third week of Advent I'd like to begin by reading to you from God's Holy Scripture the Gospel of Matthew beginning in chapter 11 verse 2 When John, who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah he sent his disciples to ask him Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11.
1: Expectations. We have expectations, don't we? There is a saying, the more you know, the more you
0: realize how much you don't know. It speaks to our arrogance as human beings. we often believe in very specific black and white ways on subjects that we actually don't know nearly as much about as we think we do. And we do this about many things. Sometimes we want to blame this on the arrogance of youth, but the truth is that adults do the same thing. How we think life is going to go is rarely how it actually goes. What we believe about certain people is sometimes proven wrong when we actually get to know them. Even some of our deeply held beliefs are sometimes shaken when faced with tragedy or when one we love walks a different road. Unmet expectations can lead to shaky ground. How can what we always believe to be true possibly be wrong? Have you ever been there? Ever had something confront your expectations or even your beliefs so drastically that you began to wonder what is true? That's where John the Baptist is in today's text. He had ideas about who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. He was anticipating this radical judgment for those not following God, this radical judgment for those who have oppressed the people of God. When John was preaching in the desert before Jesus' baptism, he mentions an ax being at the root of the trees. And he says, the trees that don't bear fruit will be thrown into the fire. So John was obviously waiting for the axe to fall when the Messiah came. Yet there he is, there John the Baptist is, in prison. Instead of watching his enemies fall by the axe of God, he now awaits the axe of his own death. So he doubts. He wonders, have I been wrong? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Now, John the Baptist, he was the first to recognize the Messiah while still in the womb. Yet here he is as an adult wondering. If the Messiah doesn't look the way John thought he would, is he still the Messiah? And for us, if Christ isn't working in my life or in the world the way I want him to, is he still Christ? So, there are questions. John questions whether Jesus is the Messiah. He heard what Jesus was doing, and it wasn't what he expected from the Messiah. We see from Matthew chapter 3 that John expected more judgment from the Messiah. Most of the Jewish people in that time believed the same thing. They were waiting for a political king who was going to come in and crush the Roman oppression that they had. Had lived under. At the time of Jesus' birth, where did the Magi go? They went to Jerusalem to find him. That was a logical place for a king to be born in Israel. The freedom they all desired was from political oppression. We know from history that there was great fear of Herod one who ruled that area on behalf of Rome Herod Herod Antipas was a jealous king who even murdered his own family to stay in power Um, that's messed up I don't know if you knew that but that's messed up and uh, it's a pretty healthy reaction to fear somebody that would do that at Jesus birth Herod issued an edict to kill all boys under the age of two in the area around where Jesus was born in order to get rid of the threat of a new king. And Herod, when when this part of Matthew is happening, is still paranoid. And he fears the followers of Jesus causing an uprising under his rule. Herod also assumes that the Messiah will come for political rule. So there's John, sitting on death row in a remote prison on the east side of the Dead Sea, physically isolated from his followers and, and those who shared his faith, geographically isolated from the land that he grew up in and loved. So, this probably led to some doubt about who Jesus was. If John was a faithful servant and a prophet for the Messiah, why was he sitting in prison? So, this had brought John the Baptist's world to the core. And then what he hears about is acts of mercy. Like I said, John is expecting the axe to cut down the unfruitful trees. Jesus, who John thinks or thought was the Messiah, is in his days of public ministry now. And John the Baptist isn't hearing about any treats cut down by axes. He's hearing about acts of mercy, he hears about healings, he hears stories about the grace filled works that Jesus is performing. This is very different from the political uprisings that he expected. The story of the Savior that the Gospel of Matthew is revealing to us here, after Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness are these incredible acts of mercy and healing. And this is when Jesus preaches the Beatitudes. Instead of preaching about uprising and overthrowing governments, Jesus' words are about loving your enemies, about being meek and humble and generous. Jesus
1: emphasizes that the peacemakers are the children of God. The peacemakers
0: are the children of God. And that the persecuted are blessed. It's important to note that most of Jesus' preaching in these chapters is not criticism of those in power, but words of challenge for those who hear. A restating of how to understand the law and a new vision of how things are to be in the kingdom of God. Despite what was believed, the kingdom of God is
1: not about political gain but about a deep heart change that changes the lives of others in real
0: ways. It's about loving God fully. It's about loving your neighbor fully. It's very likely that John also heard about this radical way of preaching. that ran counter to what they believed the Messiah would do in establishing his kingdom on earth. So Jesus responds. The mention of a reed has some historical significance to that day and time. The mention of a reed is likely a direct comparison to Herod Antipas. Herod used the imagery of a reed on the currency that he created for that area. And when it talks about, uh, were you looking for a king? Kings are found... Fine clothes in a palace, right? Herod would be royalty in fine clothes. And it literally says they're soft robes. Something that nobody outside the palace could afford or have access to. Something special for just the king and his inner court and family. If he hadn't killed them already. So, This continues the theme that while the people think they're looking for political help, that isn't truly the heart of the matter. What did they enter the wilderness for? They entered the wilderness because that is where revelation from God has happened for the people throughout the history of Israel. They went out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness because it was a natural place for them to go hear from a prophet. Remember the exodus from Egypt. Where did they spend time to hear from Moses? In the wilderness. Remember the prophets in the Old Testament are found in the wilderness. So here too, they find a prophet, not a king, in the wilderness. Prophets speak truth to power, whereas kings, they benefit from that power. Prophets challenge the status quo. Kings often create the status quo through oppressive control. So if they weren't looking for a king in the wilderness, why were they looking for a king in the Messiah? The system is going to be challenged, but not in the ways of the world. Just like the prophets challenged systems in different ways. Jesus, the Messiah, is challenging the system in different ways than worldly power. So, let us not go to the wilderness, to the world, looking for the Messiah. We often expect God to move in the ways we want Him to, right? We ask God to bless us in very specific ways. Lord, give me money, fame, homes, Leisure, all kinds of things. At church, we have definite ideas about what God's blessing looks like. No. And we become concerned when our ideas about what a blessed church looks like don't appear around us. What if God's blessings look more like the Beatitudes than they do like material wealth? What if it's not that God is not blessing us while he blesses others, but that our perspective is wrong? We question where God is in the midst of tragedy. What if God is trying to show us that he is in the midst of tragedy, grieving with us? We often view God as being on our side of a political opinion.
1: What if, instead, God is asking us to
0: completely reframe our thinking? Not around the political system, but around the kingdom of God. What if we're looking for political power while God is asking us to change our hearts and care for our neighbors? When we look for a very specific type of Jesus... We often begin to question if Jesus is the Messiah he says he is, if that's not what we find. We need to be looking at acts of mercy. In the ways we find people restored and freed, in generosity and love toward our neighbors. We need to be looking at the places where resurrection is found. Advent is about expectation. But what are we expecting? How can we repent of the ways we have constructed a certain view of who Jesus is? How can we ask for eyes to see who Jesus really is and who he is actually calling us to be how can we remove some of the distractions in our lives to see these acts of mercy and grace not as disappointment but as the true fulfillment of the Messiah in our midst so question. It's okay to have questions. We can note here in Matthew chapter 11 that Jesus did not reject John the Baptist's questions. And he doesn't reject ours. But we need to acknowledge that the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. Our certainty who Jesus is sometimes robs us of our ability to learn and embrace who Jesus is trying to show us he is. This Advent, let's take time to acknowledge the ways our ground has been shaken and the ways our expectations have led us down. And let's learn to have new expectations, to expect that maybe God is doing a new thing in a way we could never have thought or imagined. What if it's a new thing? What if it's a God thing? That we never imagined that's exceedingly abundant and beyond all that we could think or imagine. The Scripture says, "May we allow God." to lead us to a new openness of trust in who the Messiah is. Let's pray.